0: Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness to pray and to rest before he began his public ministry. This year during Lent, join Pastor Hook to pray and rest as we learn about our calling to be a life-changing connection to Christ and our world. So we are in episode 21 of our study, Life-Changing Connection. And again, this is our Bible study to look at different Bible verses anticipating our launch in November. Today we're going to go in a different direction about leadership. We're going to talk about how leadership isn't just our own leadership of, of you know, cultivating our own leadership, but it's also developing leaders in the congregation, in the, in the group of people, if you, if you lead a particular ministry, it's, it's looking at people that are in that ministry and saying, hey, is there some of the stuff that I'm doing that I could teach or train somebody else, almost like an apprentice, apprenticeship, so that they can rise up and, um, and take on some leadership positions also. If all the leadership training has to happen by me, it's going to take years and years and years. But so many of you in our congregation are... In your own right, leaders—fantastic leaders—in in your own sphere of influence, whether it's at work or you know, or some community group or whatever—you are a great leader. And I'd like to tap into that leadership for the next eight months so that we can launch well in November. Uh, we're going to look at a story today from Genesis uh, Exodus. This is uh, Moses has led the people into the promised land, or. Towards the promised land. They're now wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, grumbling all the way. And we get this incredible story about Moses and what he's doing and who comes and talks to him. And it's from Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 to 23. I'll just read this for you. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and institutions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them His decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, You'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. So we have this picture that Moses is in the wilderness and people are having disputes because people always have disputes. When you live in a community, there's going to be dispute. It's, and when there's a dispute, who do you go to to help solve the dispute? Well, you go to the wisest, the, the leader of the community. And so the first person that had a dispute, they said, hey, let's go to Moses. So they went to Moses And Moses thought about it and he says, this is how I think it should be. And because he was a leader who had influence and people respected him and his wisdom was was good wisdom, they accepted his leadership and they moved on. And then it happened again a second time and a third time. And pretty soon now, everybody's like, hey, whenever we have a dispute, instead of us settling it between ourselves, we'll just go to Moses. Well, that wasn't working out very well. And so Moses's father-in-law came to talk to him. Now Moses' father-in-law is Jethro and he was a priest of Midian. He was a follower of Yahweh and the whole, the whole Abrahamic line, you know, he was a priest in that line. And, and so he was very well connected to God. He was a priest. And so he spent a lot of time uh, in God's presence being a priest for the people. And he comes to Moses and see that if this continues on, Moses, well, he probably already has, uh, burned himself out. And so he tells Moses, listen, I got two things for you to do. The first thing is teach your people. Because if you teach people the ways of God, a lot of these disputes will go away before they even get to a judge. And so he encourages Moses to teach which is something that we must do, right? If we want to help people in their life and their walk to grow in their faith, it requires at some level amount of teaching about real world problems. And this is what God wants you to do. And if you follow these things, you won't have as many disputes as you're having right now. And so teaching is a part of it. But then the other part that that Jethro tells Moses is to get... You you can't continue to go at this pace. You have to find other people, he says. Go find people who are competent, uh, well balanced. You know they're not after money. You know they, their self interest isn't of themselves, but it's o- over other people. Now you can see why this is so important. If he if he tells somebody, okay, I want you to uh, to adjudicate between these disputes, you might have a person who says, well, that one's my friend. And that one's not my friend. And if I if I go in favor with my friend, it's quite possible my friend might give me a payback or some sort of cutback. Uh, what do you call that one? Uh, not a payback, but it's a you know it's it's when somebody pays you at the back end of the deal. Anyway, whatever that's called, payback I guess is what it is. Um, you know maybe I'll get something from my friend. Well, you don't want that kind of judge judging between people. You want people who are honest, really looking at the situation with its facts, and trying to adjudicate as best as God would want them to adjudicate. Like, what's the truth? How do we get as close to the truth as possible? And then let's adjudicate based upon the truth. And so Moses actually does this, and it turns out really, 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 really well. He finds people, he kind of brings them along, he trains them, and it turns out really, really well. What lessons do we learn about this? Well, this is probably the first instance in scripture of a thing called an organizational chart, uh, of a thing called leadership development, of a thing called if you want the organization to grow, you have to reorganize, you have to reshift. And what did Moses do? He found good men, men of God who was able to, I don't know if he immediately turned it over or he took one or two and kind of worked with them and said, okay, I'm going to teach you these things and then i want you to teach i mean really we're talking about thousands and hundreds and tens so it is uh, i don't know if it, i don't know how many people are in the wilderness at this point but but even this whole idea of thousands hundreds and tens why is that so important because if you're going to judge you are going to get into a point where perhaps it's beyond something you've ever seen before or maybe you have to make a difficult decision And both parties go away unhappy because you made a decision about the adjudication of this case and they're angry at you. Well, whenever you have somebody angry at you, you also need somebody in your court to say, listen, you did as best as you can. God still loves you. You are in this position because Moses put you here and we stand beside you in this position. We know that you're going to make the best decision you possibly can in this adjudication and And we stand with you because leadership always is hard. And so when you get, so you might have one judge that that judges 10 cases, right? Well, the next person is 100. He's judging 100 cases through 10 judges. But he's basically, he's no longer judging cases. What this person is doing is standing beside the judge saying, listen, this is hard but I'm here with you. We'll get through this, and even if it's a difficult thing, we'll get through it. But then that person gets a case that's like, oh my goodness, I this is I this is a difficult one. It's really affecting me. And so he's got somebody above him, you know, that's walking along beside him in the difficult cases. And and then of course it goes all the way up to Moses. I mean, some cases might actually have to go up to Moses. They're so And what kind of case would go up to Moses? Well, it's probably where you have two influential, powerful people in the community that if either one of them you ruled against, it would have a detrimental effect in the community, right? Like what if, what if a person has a large clan or a large following and he represents about 10% of the community and you have another person that's representing 10% of the community and you know that no matter what, when this decision comes down you're going to have 10% of the people that are going to be angry at you upset with you they're not going to be happy they might even leave and go start their own tribe you just don't know what's going to happen this is this is part of leadership is realizing that you can't please all the people all the time it's impossible and so good leadership understands that Sometimes a decision has to be made and adjudication has to be made. We go through all the available steps. We take it all the way up to Moses. And Moses, as the leader of that, comu- as of that community, makes the ultimate decision. And now Moses chooses between this 10% tribe or this 10% tribe. And who does Moses have? Well, Moses doesn't have anybody. Moses might have Jethro, his father-in-law, who walks beside him. And that would be a great thing. He's a priest, so he might be compassionate to Moses, but at some level, and this is why they say leadership at the top is always, always difficult. So imagine, for example, you're the president of the United States. And immediately when you come into office, no matter if you're Republican or Democrat or whatever, you're gonna have 40% of the people that are just not gonna like anything that you do from day one. Doesn't matter if you make the best decision. It doesn't matter if you, what you do, you're gonna have 40% of the people who just don't like you because you've got the wrong initial after your name. And that's tough. I mean, if you're a leader, I think you have to at some point make yourself immune to that so that you can lead. This is why I would never be a great politician because I I um, I always wanna find the solution that works for the most amount of people, that works for what God's called us to do. And, and that takes time. <laughs> And it takes consensus building and all that sort of thing. And oftentimes you have to make a decision quicker than that. And so um, that's, that's one of my flaws is I always think that there's a better solution if we just dig harder. And at some point there's diminishing returns for those better solutions because no matter how hard you dig, you're not going to find a better solution. You just got to choose solution A or solution B. And and you, you move forward and yeah people might be upset and yeah it might go south and all sorts of things but at some point you have to continue to lead leadership's hard it's yeah. so hard um, particularly when you're when you're in an organization like a church where there are just so many competing interests and so many feelings and emotions and and the goal may not be as clear. Uh, For some people, it is for others and the mission and the vision and all that sort of thing. And so it just, it does, it does present its own sets of challenges. But the great thing is, is that God will always, when you, when you invest yourself in time with him, he will always pour into you enough to overcome even, even the most difficult situations, which is a blessing. You don't really find that out until you get into those situations, but he does. He's, he's an amazing God. So now we have Joseph, or not Joseph, we have Jethro telling Moses that he should do this. Moses does it and it turns out well. And this teaches us how we want to move forward in our congregation. I'm praying that as we develop leaders in various ministry areas, that they will find people in their ministry that maybe they can cultivate and groom and bring along. You know, it might be, hey, I'm going to be gone this day. Can you take over, you know, this ministry? And they say, yeah, you know, for this one day, yeah, I'll step into that role. And you, then you come back and, and you sit down with that person. And you say, man, you did a great job. How did it, how did, how did it go for you? How do you feel about it? And they might say, well, this worked well, this worked well, but this really bothered me. This person came up to me and yelled at me and they said, where are you? Why aren't you doing it? Why are you doing it? And so I had to explain, well, he's gone this weekend, so I'm doing it or whatever. And, and okay, but still, they were very upset with me because people are always upset with change, right? People don't like a change in anything because it means they have to spend, exert work to try to reconfigure their own life in this sort of thing. And plus, maybe you don't do it as well as the person. Maybe you do it better than the person. Who knows? But it does, anytime you have a leader, there should be somebody walking alongside that leader. That's what it says here. Walking along beside that leader to help them get through this leadership challenge. And so the more you grow the depth of leadership in your congregation, the more you also have to grow people who are pastoral in your congregation. Their role isn't to take over ministry. Their role is simply to be pastoral to people who are you know, leading particular aspects of the ministry. And how many ministries can you have? And how many pastoral people can you have? And how many pastoral pastoral people can you have? And the answer is as many as the congregation wants. Because as long as you set up this structure, you can tackle any challenge, any problem, as long as God gives you the time, talents, and resources, and everybody gathers together around that, and that mission, and that vision, and that goal. The sky—the only limit is how many people can really get involved in ministry at some level. And when we first started Christ with Reveil, we had this goal of trying to activate everybody at some level in some ministry. Because it is so um, fulfilling. If you're doing if you're serving in a congregation, this is the great thing about congregations. If you're serving in a congregation, doing anything, anything, somebody comes up and says, Hey, can you be an usher on this day for this service for one hour? That's all I'm asking. You never have to do it again. Could you please do that on this day? It's six months. You know, make sure you get in your calendar and your schedule or whatever. And I'm going to train you over the next week or two or three. You know, you can watch and observe and see what other ushers do um, and all that sort of thing. But eventually, I'd like you to do this and, um, you know, break it down to such a small portion that, of course, they're not going to say no. Because it's one time for one hour, you know, six months in the future. And they say, yes, I'll do it. I'll rearrange my schedule and I'll do it. I'll be there. And then they do it. And then you come and, you you know, you take them out for coffee or whatever. I mean, I know I'm being over over-analyzing this thing, but you take them out and you say, hey, um, how did it go? And they say, it was great. You know, now they feel ownership. They feel connected to Christ in a different way. I can't tell you how many people have told me personally that when I've asked them to do something or take over a particular ministry, they're the ones that have been blessed more than anything because it is. It's a huge blessing from God when you do a piece of ministry. One of our problems as a church one problem is we're afraid of change, and the other problem is that um, that we just we we get so addicted to the ministry that we're doing that we don't want to raise up other leadership to take over. You know, a partner with us in the ministry. And my plea to you is to understand that the more you can develop people to do ministry in our congregation. The more they're going to grow, the more they're going to get connected with Christ, the more they can see about the organization, the more they're just going to be invested in our particular organization. And, um, you know, and the other thing is, is that at some level, if you are in charge of a ministry and you want to make a change, you also know that that change is going to impact every other ministry in the church. You know that because whatever you do in a congregation, right? What one ministry leader does always, because there's always webs of connection with every other ministry. So at some level, you make a decision, say, we're going to go in this direction. And at some level, you're going to impact other leaders. And so at some level, those leaders need to get together and say, okay, I'm planning to do this. I'm planning to do this. Does this impact your ministry? At least inform them. We have to have a communication system to inform everybody of all these different things. And then um, they say, yeah, if you do this on this day, it's going to it's going to cause all because I've already got something planned on this day. It's like, oh my goodness, that's important too. And so you say, well, can I shift? Can you shift? No, I can't shift. Can I shift? Yeah, I can shift. Or no, I can't shift. Oh my goodness, I have to do it on this day, and you have to do it on that day. It's a conflict. And if we do both of these, it's just not untenable. But one of these is probably going to have to happen. So then you... Raise it to the next level of leadership probably ends up on my desk at some point. And they say, Listen, we've got both ministries. They've both been moving forward because of your lack of communication. Now you have to deal with this. And then I say, Okay, I'm so sorry. And I think we got to do this one. And now I've got 10% of the people upset with me. But that's okay because God has blessed me in this position. And He's also blessed me with the confidence of knowing that I am called into this position. And you all put me in this position because you have confidence that God selected the right person at the right time. So um, that's that's basically the leadership from. That's the leadership from the biblical model, and it's basically raising up leadership, developing leadership, putting in a structure of communication, understanding that things aren't always going to go well. And so there's grace, there's forgiveness, and there's learning from that. And there's also someone walking along beside that leader who is very pastoral that can help them get through the ministry challenge. And the more we can just develop that, how, you know, in a, in a business, this is one thing, you know, in a business, you want as lean of an organizational structure as possible. But in a church, You can have the depth of organizational You can have many, 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 many levels of organizational structure because it's all people getting activated in different levels in the church. And the more we activate different people in different levels, the, the healthier we are as a church, and the more we can do what God's called us to do. And the unlimited amount of things that we can do, if we'll accept that we're open to change, We're open to trying new things. We're open to developing leaders. We're opening to multiple layers of leadership organizational chart. Um, And we're open to following God's word. I mean, if we can do all those things, I think the sky is the limit to the things that we can do as a congregation. As a matter of fact, I don't think there is a limit to what we can do as a congregation. We can have a reach into this community, into southern Arizona, unlike any other congregation. So um, that's my prayer for our congregation. And... um, I think, uh, I think I'll think i just read one more story. Um, this, is, this is from Acts 6. In those days when the numbers of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve just gathered together all the disciples, and they said, Would it not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention and prayer to the ministry of the word. So we even see this in the New Testament in Acts where it just became overwhelming. As the church grows, it becomes overwhelming. So they looked, and who did they look for? They looked for seven men who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. So any leadership, you're always trying to groom people for a spirit of wisdom uh, and full, full of you know the people that people at some level have a connection with God so that they're filled with his spirit. So when leadership gets tough, they can go to God for uh, love and compassion and concern and people who really are, you know, understand different parts of the ministry and know what it's going. You need to have people full of spirit and wisdom. And then you turn portions of the ministry over to them. And then we could get into Timothy and what the requirements for pastoral leadership is. And we may do that at a future date. Um, But the bottom line is is that even in the New Testament, we see this model working out. It's just really, really wonderful. So tomorrow, I want to put all this together because I want to lay out a vision for what it is that I'm envisioning. Because at some level, you have to have the vision from the congregation that comes up and then somebody has to communicate that vision to the congregation in such a clear manner that everybody understands that vision. So we're gonna talk about that tomorrow. So um, thank you, Uh, we're gonna go ahead and close in prayer. Dear God, thank you for the blessings of this day. Thank you for everybody in our congregation that loves you and loves our congregation and wants to serve you in any way they possibly can. Help us to rise up leadership. We pray for your wisdom as we move forward towards launching in November. In Jesus' name, amen.